Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Fearscape Media Network. Exploring the unknown. One podcast at a time. Fearscape Media Network is your new home for everything weird and enlightening. Check out podcasts and YouTube shows covering content from discussions on horror films to the paranormal to meditation. Find out more at fearscapemedia.com. gentlemen to another fantastic uh episode or is it something more special of the convergence enigma with josh <laughs> and stefan i am your host stefan gearhart and i am joined as always by my best buddy in the whole universe besides the uh aliens that abducted me mr josh rutledge well I'm, I'm ranking higher than jd i appreciate that no, no, we are family, Josh, and that does not count. Family's not friends. You can't be friends <laughs> with your family. There's sure. a bond that exists. <laughs> nope. No, there's there's family that I'm definitely not friends with. So. Well, I didn't say you had to be friends. That's why I'm saying family's not friends. Friends ain't, uh, but friends can be family. Uh, friends can be lovers. This what the world. But family can cannot be lovers. Let me tell you. <laughs> Not <laughs> unless you're in Alabama. <laughs> That's rude to Alabamans. Okay. Uh, but anyways, we have a, a wacky show apparently for you all yeah. tonight. Um, we're actually going to be joined tonight. We're going to be digging deeper with one of our favorite guests, Miss Kathleen Martin. I'm so excited to have her back. Um, what an amazing person. Uh, yep. We had her on the show uh, last year. Uh, it was last year, wasn't it? It feels like it was yesterday. Yeah, I think it was last year uh, around spring breakish because we did the show at your apartment. Uh, we was, tend to do these around the same time whenever we have a guest come I back know, on. It's weird how enough. it works out. Yeah. Uh, but we've got Kathleen. She's got her new book out, uh, Forbidden Knowledge, A Personal Journey from Alien Abduction to Spiritual Transformation. Um, uh, this book is awesome. So we're going to be talking to her um, about some really cool stuff. Um, but Josh, before we get to that... Want to remind people if you want to check out the old episodes, including the episode with Kathleen Martin and old Fear Skate episodes, which that was, uh, go to theconvergenceenigma.com. Uh, while there, you can also do slash store and check out all of our shirts and all that stuff and, uh, you know, all the fun stuff. Uh, but, anyways, Josh, let's get to our first segment of the week, which is Psychic Word of the Week. And now. Uh... Psychic Word of the Week. Psychic Word of the Week comes from the Encyclopedic Psychic Dictionary from June G. Bletzer, PhD. Rest in peace, honey bear. I loved you, but I didn't even know you. Um, I just, I miss you sometimes. And um, one of these days, I'm going to find your family members to come on the show so we can do an entire show celebrating you. And I mean that. Um, but this week, Josh gave me a page number to go to. We landed on page 408. 
And uh, the the word that we landed on it was monad. Mo, not monad, but monad. M O N A D. Uh, this is metaphysics, and this is from the Greek monas meaning indestructible unit. So this says a monad, which is a minute, an uh, ethereal, concentrated mass of energy and intelligence, contains a complete replica of totality when it was in its original perfect state, endowed with an urge to return to this perfect state, which keeps it in perpetual motion. And then there's a number of follow-up definitions here. One, you, this is from Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz, uh, units that incorporate the whole, the exquisitely orderly behavior of light, indicating an underlying radical patterned order of reality, a perpetual living mirror of the universe closed off from one another, but still sensitive to vibrations of the universe. Uh, two comes from Giordano Bruno, a basis and irreducible metaphysical unit that is spiritual and psychically undividuated. Three comes from Carl Fibram. Uh, lensless, indivisible entities as basic units of the universe, a microcosm of it, a monadic organization, so to speak, uh, contain the whole as in the hologram. Number four comes from metaphysical religions. The monad is the divine spark of God in every living thing containing all the attributes of God. Monads remember when God was one, and this motivates them to unfold and evolve until they once again are one with God. Uh, number five, uh, each monad concentrated mass contains uh, soul intelligence, contains spirit energy, contains consciousness, and contains a memory mechanism. Monads know their function and have a condensed consciousness that holds the memory of every vibrational frequency in which they have vibrated. Uh, also, condensed memory is listed in here. Whoo! There's a lot happening there. Lots to unpack there. So, uh, it reminds me of I recently read a book, and it's funny because you mentioned um, uh, Giordano Bruno. Yeah. And I, we don't talk about Bruno, though. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in a book that I recently read, his name came up quite a bit, uh, talking about um, kind of like uh, uh, what's it called when you the thing where you can convert blood into gold. Uh, what's it? Ah. Alchemy. Alchemy. Thank you. You're talking about it. him being kind of a spiritual alchemist, if you will, that alchemy is really about the conversion of the spirit from. Uh, you know, one state to another and, and, and not so much the physical object. But um, it was just interesting that, I, again, I just finished reading that book and that this word came out tonight, which reminded me about him. Um, and then I was going to make the joke. We don't talk about Bruno, but you beat me to it. <laughs> it's what I do. It's what I do. <laughs> uh, also, I would say that in that book where Gier, uh, Giordano Bruno was talking or, or not talking, but they were talking about him. He talked about how um, consciousness is, is hatched at the lowest level. So like the atom has consciousness, uh, consciousness attached to it. And so because of that, atoms make up everything, right? So your desk has consciousness, your keyboard, your mouse, your water bottle, the rock, the tree outside. All of these things have consciousness. Yeah. Uh, and so you share that consciousness with them. Uh, you know, kind of like as a, almost like a living planet, if you will. Yeah. Now that is something I am familiar with for sure. Very, very interesting. Um, well, I don't want to uh, dwell on this monad here because I've got a very interesting next segment, Josh, which one we haven't done in quite a while, which is the Mandela effect. Did you say Mandela? No, no. I said Mandela. Mandela. The Mandela effect. Mandela effect. All right, Josh, the Mandela effect, man, boy, we haven't we haven't hit this in a while because um, what do you mean? We time- talked about it last week. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, man, like uh, this one has been making the rounds like so much uh, that it that it showed up on Snopes. 
um, which you guys know is uh, a MythBuster type, you know, site to see if yeah. things are real or not real or things like that. But that's that's how much traction this has been getting. Um, and the Mandela Effect this week is about Ed McMahon and the Publishers Clearinghouse. Do you remember the Publishers Clearinghouse? Yeah. Um, and Ed McMahon. And what's your memory of, of Ed McMahon and Publishers Clearinghouse? Um, well, I mean, he would just kind of come on the commercial and talk about it. And then they would usually show as a part of the commercial uh, people at their door. People would ring the door and like have balloons and this giant freaking check. Yeah. They would hand with people. Ed McMahon's face on it a lot of times. I don't remember the Ed McMahon face on the Oh, check, I do. But, um, but for, for the young listeners out there, Ed McMahon was the sidekick to Johnny Carson on the old Tonight Show. Um, Wasn't uh, he also the uh, Richie? No, what was it? Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Yeah, oh, that was, no, that's no, that uh, was Robin Leach. Robin, Robin Leach. Leach, yeah. yeah Lifestyles okay. of the Rich and Famous. Robin Leach. Ed McMahon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the claim here is that entertainer Ed McMahon was a spokesperson for Publishers Clearinghouse, and I have to tell you, the answer to that is eh, incorrect. He was not a spokesperson for the Publishers Clearinghouse. My mind is blown. Yeah. Oh, yes, he was. No. And I'm going to go ahead and explain here uh, via Snopes. There's no evidence that uh, McMahon ever worked for Publishers Clearinghouse. He was, however, spokesperson for American Family Publishers. In old television commercials for American Family Publishers, the word publishers appeared much smaller than American Family, perhaps because the company knew that so many American households may have confused the two brands, believing that McMahon worked for both uh, that and the competition. Um, Ed McMahon was never a spokesperson, um, but there are a large number of them. Pretty much every single person that I've asked today, uh, every single person remembers this. And this is an example of a false memory, um, supposedly, supposedly. Um, so it goes on to talk about reason number one people remember this is that uh people fondly remember the publisher's clearinghouse television commercials from the past decades where sweepstakes winners were notified at their doorsteps by the prize patrol they won large cash prizes sometimes with a big check however ed mcmahon never appeared in those ads there you can look at old publishers clearinghouse ads from the 80s and then stuff and he's not in any of them um but he did appear in television commercials for American family publishers. So there's that possibility, but I watched them, man. It's so different. Like, I don't remember that at all. I remember him being at the door and everything like that. Um, while working as a spokesperson for American family publishers, a drawing of McMahon's face appeared on the envelopes that were sent to all American households. However, his face, of course, did not appear on publishers clearinghouse envelopes because again, he never worked for the company. But again, I remember that as well. I'm looking at a picture of it and I'm just blown away. Um, so this is just crazy. And then of course, there's a photograph online that shows Ed McMahon holding a big check that says big win. And people just assume that that was in core, of course, Publishers Clearinghouse. But according to Snopes.com, this was American Family Publishers. Well, <laughs> okay the uh, the last thing that they say is that the other reason people remember Matt doorsteps is because in a lot of television sitcoms and late night talk shows ed mcmahon would do skits where he'd show up at doorsteps uh, uh doing different things so people have merged supposedly have merged all that information together uh and and put it together uh and and that's I mean, this article is crazy long. Snopes is really good. I mean, they go on and on yeah. and on um, about well, how mean, it got confused. That even on Roseanne, they had made a reference to it at one point of him being Publishers Clearinghouse, um, all sorts of stuff. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I just I don't ever I like I, <clears throat> the commercials that I remember. He was never presenting the check. Yeah, it, it was always like he was like the narrator for the commercial right and then they would like yeah. just walk up to people's houses like join your you know make you make sure you fill out your uh pch uh mailer today yep. so you, you'll never know when you're gonna be next or something yep. like that even yeah. rose on uh golden girls uh mentioned that mcmahon worked for publishers clearinghouse on the show so 
<laughs> like on an episode. So it's crazy to me. I don't get this one, but it's nuts. So, but I'm going to leave oh. you guys out there in, in La La Land and dwell on that one for a while because I haven't had a Mandela effect blow my mind in quite a while. <laughs> so, oh. but Josh, let's go ahead and get to our interview with Kathleen Martin. So uh, make sure you guys are ready for this. Let's start to dig deeper with Kathleen Martin. And thank you guys for always sticking around. We have the Kathleen Martin here. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, all kinds of cool stuff, especially her book, Forbidden Knowledge, A Personal Journey from Alien Abduction to Spiritual Transformation. Hello, Kathleen. Welcome back to the show. Hello. Great to be back with you. Yes, we're pumped, man. We've been talking about this all week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I just watched, I don't know why, but I have been very much on um, kind of a... (sighs) It's it's it almost sounds um, I don't know silly to say it, but it, like an abductee kick. Like I'm just really <laughs> wanting wanting to understand um, you know abductees and and kind of uh, you know I think people on the outside right look at an abductee and either think probably one or two things: either that person's mentally ill and they really didn't have that experience, or or if they did have that experience, oh cool, they got to meet aliens, but. But I think for a lot of abductees, it's it's a really like hard thing to process, and it, it has its own um, its own troubles that come along with it. it. It's not always a cool experience as people like to think about it. It is, in fact, very difficult for people, especially in the beginning, um, and and maybe through most of their lives until they finally reach the point where they can uh, talk to someone about it who is knowledgeable and non-judgmental and uh, resolve all of the, uh, the trauma they might be carrying. And even when the contact experience ends up having been positive, uh, people are often traumatized because They have read information or watched information or heard information um, that they are being used as lab rats and nothing is good of it. They're going to be harmed when most people, after they come to a resolution, realize that they haven't been harmed for the most part. Most of, well, I'd say about 80% of all contact is really very businesslike. It's with uh, scientists who and educators, and um, the human being is uh, often learning things. They're uh, about seventy-five uh, percent have been taken for the first time before they were twenty years old, mm-hmm. and so as children. Uh, they go to that place to oftentimes have fun and they will have a good time and uh, look forward to the next meeting until they reach puberty. And then if it becomes a, a program where their reproductive material is needed, then everything changes. And, yeah. And yeah. that's that's when the feeling of exploitation comes in unless the ETs can convince the the individual that it was uh, mutually agreed upon for the benefit of both the human species and and for them as well. You know, I think about the case of uh, David Huggins. That's what Um, I was about to bring up. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're in sync tonight. Yeah. but you know, he 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 talks about uh, how for him, the biggest part of all of it is knowing that he has offspring out there that he can't interact with. Yes. Um, but that really the the actual encounters and everything he was perfectly fine with and happy to be a part of. And I think he he oftentimes expresses even love and adoration for um, the ET that he was with. Mm-hmm. Yes, people often do. And there is concern over the children. Where are the children? Um, Some people have been told that they have been 
taken to other planets where they are living. Um, but you know, that it's a really good question because yeah. no one knows for certain <laughs> where those children are. Yeah. Well, and it, and it really makes you, you know, you, you talk about the, I think there was an extrapolation that was done. Um, I can't remember. It was, I know John Mack was involved, but I can't remember uh, who all else, but the, the where they did a kind of a survey of people who had had contact. And from that uh, sample size, they extrapolated out something like 600 million uh, U.S. residents have probably had some sort of ET contact or, or, or extraterrestrial contact. Yes, that was Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs. Who, Thank you. Who did that uh, survey. The other it's two of the Holy pole. Trinity there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, from that, right, if you if you take that uh, as, as your context, how many of, of those is a subset, right, that probably were used for reproductive material? So that, that's potentially a lot of children uh, that are out there. I mean, David Huggins, if you use his as an example case, he had multiples. I mean, like tens and twenties and thirties that he saw all in a room. So um, if you take that and apply it to, let's say, you know, 10% of that number, that's a lot of children out there that are potentially, you know, hybrids or whatever, that, whatever you want to think about it. And, and you're right. I mean, the question that becomes, where are they, you know, what are they doing with them? So are they reintegrating into the population or, you know, I know you don't know the answer, but it's just, it's interesting to think about. Yeah, I, I don't, but uh, I have a background in social work, sociologists, uh, social psychology and psychology. And so uh, I know that uh, children who are not raised with humans, children who have been uh, kept in a room by themselves for most of their lives, you know, terribly neglected or abused, children who uh, were not raised in a human environment can never be human. They become feral. Mm -hmm. And so my question is, are the children who are raised by these non-humans on you know, an alien base or another planet mm -hmm. or uh, a craft, whatever, how can they ever be fully human if they're not raised mm -hmm by humans right in a human environment well, i don't know because then they that gets you into nature versus nurture too you know uh, how much of that natural humanity is going to come out regardless or or is it being taught though you know um you think about a single parent let's say that lost um their spouse early on they will constantly teach them about their their uh, let's say the father passed on they will constantly teach the kid about that father that side of their family and their heritage and things like that um so maybe who knows i mean we're just all speculation but yeah, yeah maybe they do get to experience some of that humanity maybe i think that the best plan for the ets is uh for the genetically altered children to be born to human parents and uh to grow up on this planet yeah and I'm aware that many are. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I've, I've heard tale of many that have been. Well, and, it, it, and I think, sorry, Stephen, go ahead. Oh, that, that was it. Okay. I was just going to say that <laughs> as humans, uh, it seems like some of the early contacts and maybe even some of the more recent ones that the message has always been to humanity, you're messing up your planet. You've got to change. Um, the fact that we as humanity as a whole, uh, tend to, to look at anything uh, that's not human as being lesser than us is almost like an ego, if you will, a humanity ego. It makes me wonder if not being raised by humans is the better, is <laughs> the better solution. Maybe they would instill that more of a, you know, do take care of your planet, you know, life is precious type mentality. Well, they definitely would instill that into any human children that they raised um, because they're very concerned about our failure to be good stewards to our planet, about our failure to realize the destructive power of nuclear weapons, uh, where it is still a threat 
and you know we did uh, above ground nuclear testing uh, and it has brought great damage to this planet uh, we we yep. dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and then uh, we've had the nuclear meltdown mm-hmm. in Japan as well that's an area that uh, the ETs uh, had stated back in 1954 that they had great concern about. Well, and I, you know, to, par- to paraphrase Einstein, um, you know, if you if your technology grows beyond your uh, humanity, then you're you know kind of doomed for destruction. And so, um, I really feel like that as a society, we are either beyond or really close to that tipping point of where our technology is getting, you know, a little closer, maybe beyond our humanity. And I'm worried about what that means for us as a people. And, you know, we, we live on this earth um, like there's another one that we can move to if this one <laughs> right. goes to put, uh, but that's not the case. So uh, well, it's what the ETs have told me and many others, I would not repeat it if they had only told me and, no one else had reported it to me. But uh, they do say that there is an imbalance between our technological development and our spiritual growth. And that when this imbalance occurs, it could lead to the disintegration of the species. And this is their greatest concern. And so they're attempting to uh, raise human spirituality. Well, you know, it's it's there's that uh, documentary that recently came out about the aerial. Uh, I think it's called aerial phenomenon about that uh, school yeah. sighting th- that happened. Uh, is that Zimbabwe? Is that where yes. it was? Yes. Yes, I think and it's I, 1994 Zimbabwe. Yes, uh, and I was thinking about we recently did um, an interview talking about um, some of the convergences. You know, kind of like our show about how there was a school landing that happened in 1977 in, in England. There was a couple that happened in, in, in Scotland around the same time, 76, 78. And I really got to thinking about, um, it seems like it's been probably 94 was the last time there was a reported school landing where an entire collection of students had an experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm wondering if ETs are like, there's no point in coming to students anymore of a certain age because we're already too far down the path and it's, you know, it, it, there's no point in changing them when they're young. Now we have to shift to changing them now because we're too far down this kind of destructive path that we're on. Well, I think that we are. Um, and, and so it's, there's an emergency situation uh, for many years. They took uh, people to craft and educated us. Uh, about the dangers of mm-hmm. nuclear war, about the importance of being good stewards to our environment, um, and landing at schools, giving the same messages to the children, oftentimes uh, not in a way that uh, the children could understand, such as the students at the aerial school who saw all of the trees being knocked down, mm-hmm. for example. Yeah. Um, you know, and and just horrible scenes to uh, humans of of the dangers of nuclear war, nuclear destruction. So uh, they've been giving that for a very long time. And some of us are spreading that message. It's extraordinarily important that people understand this. And, you know, we have a lot of listeners in this field, people who are interested in all of this, but it really needs to go mainstream. I agree. And, you know, I I think a lot about, a lot of skeptics will say, why would they bother with, why would they go to planet to planet to be like, hey, stop, stop, stop. And I equate it to how we are with religion. Look how many Christian missionaries there are that go out there to try to spread what they think is the right thing to do and be and things like that. This could be a feeling of like religion to them, you know, that it's so important to them that they have to share that so that it doesn't happen uh, or, you know, how the Christians feel you, you somebody will go to hell like, you know, there this to me is how I've always felt about it is that they're sharing that information 
because they feel like it needs to, and it, it is the right thing to do in their culture the the right way. Yes, you know I I agree with you. Uh, for many of these extraterrestrials who are coming here, or and interdimensionals, if they're both, but uh, I do believe that they are overseers of this mm -hmm. planet. That they would hate to see this beautiful planet uh, destroyed. I mean, we could even be their experiment, right? And uh, they could have seeded this planet. And if if they did, then they would definitely not want to see their experiment destroyed or or have a very bad ending. And uh, you know, many many people who have been uh, taken, who are experiences, who have been given messages, uh, talk about the 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 need to educate humans, uh, the warnings that these uh, ETs give, such as shutting down our nuclear weapons, going to the nuclear bases and taking the weapons offline, uh, as has happened many, many times, and not just in the United States, it's happened in the Soviet Union, uh, maybe in Russia now too. I yeah. certainly hope so. <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What made me think about the other day is um, why do you think there was a shift? I mean, a shift in 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 approach from calling it a contact where someone was invited onto the ship and they flew them to Venus mm -hmm. to. Um, an abduction where it has really kind of that a negative connotation associated to it. Do you, do you have any thoughts around that? I do. You know, we until Betty and Barney, as far as we knew, um, there were those uh, human-looking space brothers who mm -hmm. were coming. And they were highly evolved. They were offering to educate all of us to... Um, uh, give us their kind of medicine to extend our lives. And, and uh, if we would only agree to uh, join together as right. a planet and uh, sort of under their guidance and no country <laughs> trusted that. And then we had Betty and Barney Hill, my aunt and uncle, who were taken by the greys. And it was different because Betty and well, Barney didn't even believe that crafts, that extraterrestrials were real, that craft could come here from elsewhere. And so that was terribly shocking to him. And then yeah. to be, you know, taken against his will, feeling threatened and uh, being examined. Well, they kept saying to him, we're, you know, we're not going to harm you. We only need to do a few simple tests and then you'll be on your way. But certainly Betty and Barney didn't believe them when, <laughs> when they were taken Nor from their I. car to that craft. And um, I've, I've uh, worked with people who were taken before Betty and Barney, but didn't make uh, a, a report. They did not report this to NICAP. I'm aware of one couple dating back to 1954, I think, who had an abduction. They reported it to NICAP, and it wasn't even investigated. Mm. Um, NICAP mm. didn't believe that this was possible, even when Betty and Barney had their experience. Yeah, I know there was a huge... Um uh what's the word i'm looking for um beef rift. essentially yeah rift between nicap and and contactees um that there was like this huge rift that they didn't want to associate uh with anyone that was in contactees so a lot of those ufo magazines out there that talked you know <laughs> contactees and and all those guys mosley and all those guys were having to that's where a lot of that pranking came from was to prank NICAP. <laughs> right yeah so um you know, Walter Webb, 
who was an astronomer for uh, the Hayden Planetarium in Boston, Massachusetts, and had worked on the satellite program with Alan Hynek, Dr. Alan Hynek, mm. um, was the investigator in Betty's and Barney's case. And I interviewed him and he told me that he thought it was real. That, um, But then, you know, the people at NICAP headquarters uh, didn't want to uh, even touch anything yeah. like that because yeah. they didn't even want to admit that there was anything on the craft. Yeah. They wanted to think that it was all unmanned. How so, similar to today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some, it is like that mm-hmm. in some pl- places today. Yes. So anyway, in terms of being an abductee versus a contactee, there's always been this idea that if you are an abductee, you are being experimented on, you're being mistreated, you're not being respected. And that's been extraordinarily difficult for abductees. Mm -hmm. But in the study that I worked on for the Mutual UFO Network when I was the director of experience or research, this was a three-year study from 2015 to 2018 with Dr. Don C. Donderry, Dr. Michael Austin Melton, um, Craig Lang, and Denise Stoner. And what we discovered is uh, we asked those who had Dr. Well, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> Dr. Don Derry administered the American Personality Inventory, which was developed in order to identify who the those with UFO abduction syndrome were. And so he administered that. And then we took 175 people who uh, had UFO abduction syndrome. And the comparison was uh, between abductees and those who were just generally experiencers in general. And what we found is that everything was at a higher rate among abductees, and that included wanting to continue their contact experiences or Mm. their abductions. So that was a big surprise to us. So you have to ask then, why do these abductees want to continue with this? And what we find is that 45% of those with UFO abduction syndrome say that they have been healed from some kind of illness by Mm. these ETs. They're being given information. They're older now. This is an older group, not people who are being taken when they're young. Yeah, Travis Walton talks about that, like how it, it was absolutely frightening to him at the time, but now in his book, he talks about what a positive experience it all was which is, I found just fascinating. <laughs> yes, it was a rescue mission. Yeah. He thinks they saved his life. And, and they put him back at the edge of town, you know, near a, a, a telephone where he would be able to call for help instead of in the forest where he would have frozen to death. Yeah. So uh, they are treating us kindly for the most part, about 80%. And uh, people are are pleased with this. Among the experiencer group in general, um, 71% said that they wanted to continue with their contact experiences. Among the abductee group, it was 75%. Wow. Wow. I've only only had uh, sightings of craft. I've never had a a personal experience. Uh, So like, Part of me wants it because I, I want to know what it's like. I want to, you know, want to be count myself among that group. But because I also have small children, I, I don't know, you know, what that would mean for them. And, you know, would they would they come for me and be like, oh, no, he's too old. Let's go get these two over here instead. And so I just don't know if I would wish that upon my uh, my kids. So it's. <laughs> You know, if I could like sign up and say yes, me, no for anybody else in the family, but I don't think there's a sign up sheet anywhere that I'm aware of. <laughs> well, it certainly makes life more complicated. 
and right. more difficult. Yeah. And uh, I always have to say to people, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Because if you uh, really want someone, anyone to come to you, you might get the wrong kind. That's yeah. happened to yeah. people that I've worked with, and it was not at all a pleasant experience. Yeah. Are you are you familiar with um, with Bashar at all? Have you heard about Bashar? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that uh, Bashar talks about is, is that they're from a different you know dimension, and that in the early days they were taking people and they lacked the emotional intelligence to understand that what they were doing was causing us emotional uh, distress and harm. Mm-hmm. Um, curious your thoughts on that. Well, I agree that um, I was extraordinarily angry with them for um, leaving people so terrified and traumatized. You know, they just uh, people are in their own homes. A lot of times they're awake and, and these entities just come into their environment. Um, they are t- entirely different than us. Their energy is different. They, they're telepathic and intense, and um, they don't look like us. Right. And, and so you have this fight or flight response. And, right. Um, it, it is extraordinarily difficult. In fact, I was terrified for years. And then through sheer force of will, I developed a plan to change that. And what I did is I did self-hypnosis and over and over again and gave myself a rapid induction, rapid induction words, and practice it every day. And what I discovered is when if they come into my environment which they don't do anymore i haven't been taken since 2015 but when they came into my environment i would um, immediately give myself those words it would calm me and i would project love in their direction and in return i received love back and things started to improve um, when that occurred. I started to be able to communicate with them, whereas uh, it was not easy before. It was a matter of uh, what they, whatever they decided. Right. It's interesting to talk about um, using that love. So, like two weeks ago. I was outside and I, we had recorded for the podcast or something. I mean, you know, oftentimes when we do that, I step outside for a few minutes and just kind of look at the stars and enjoy the night sky. And that night it happened to be clear. And so I stepped outside and I um, just kind of, you know, kind of looked up at the night, at the stars and I just sent uh, all of this kind of love towards the sky. And I said, you know, if there's anything out there that would like to show itself to me, I would be ever so happy to, to see you. And, and uh, a few minutes later, I saw a bunch of craft moving around, a bunch of lights moving around in the sky. I pull up my apps on my phone. They're not satellites. They're not International Space Station. They're not airplanes. So to me, that's unidentified, right? I can't identify them. Um, that night when I went to bed, at one point I rolled over uh, in my, in, in my, to change positions, and I saw this entity come into my room, and I was scared, and I pulled the covers up over my, my head, and it reached over and, and pulled the cover back and said, don't do that. You'll suffocate. I, I wear a CPAP at night. And if you don't have the front open, you will suffocate. So uh, it was just, again, I guess that's my contact that I've been winning. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so it saved my life, I guess. Uh, oh, but it was good. just, yeah, interesting that because, again, I, I sent all that love up into the sky saying, you know, just I would just just mean you let's just hash some stuff out let's do this (laughs) that's the key you know the key is love yeah um if you uh uh, are fearful if you're hateful if uh, you have all of those negative emotions you're going to attract those 
who have negative who feed off negativity mm-hmm. right and they're not the good ones but if you project love it makes all the difference mm-hmm. i guess that's the question that i that i you know that listeners will sometimes ask me that i never have an answer for is what kind of advice do we give to someone who is going through it for the first time that they're in the midst of it um what is the best advice to give what what would you say to someone that is is going through that for the very first time uh, well if they're being you mean taken to craft for the first time yeah and they're and they're frightened yeah yeah um, they should uh, reach out to somebody who works with experiencers somebody who understands this and what it's all about uh, don't feed into the fear mongers those who sell uh, fear for profit because there's a lot of that out there and uh, I would uh, if they were stable enough uh, ask them if they'd like to speak with other experiencers who have been through the same thing in a group um, there are many support groups out there that help people so uh, either one-on-one I charge for it for uh, for people now because I've had thousands who want to take up all my time uh, <laughs> but I don't charge very much <laughs> and uh, you know you can reach out to the experiencer resource team at the mutual UFO network um, there uh, is the experiencer group in New York and Yvonne Smith has an experience a group um lester velez has one um through opus so there are many of us who reach out to help people who are having these experiences to understand and to um help them to overcome what we all went through initially when we didn't know what was going on right And, uh, you know, I think we can be a a huge help to them. And I know that I have, I've been a a big help to hundreds of people. Well, you know, it's like um, uh, when I was a younger uh, person, uh, a child, or, you know, just in my, in my middle school years, um, even even at that age, not always for my age group, was the topic of like um, uh, mental illness or uh, ADHD or just thinking about those type of learning disability. It was often just, well, he's just a, he's just an exciting kid or something, you know, it just, it was just often brushed off. And so a lot of times we had to wait until later on in life to find out that we probably could have benefited from talking to somebody or being on some sort of medication. So now look at my kids, right? They're of the age group, but because I have this understanding of, I don't want to make them go through the same thing I had to go through. We have, you know, jumped on, let's, let's have them talk to somebody. Let's let them work, talk to somebody and work through. So it's kind of the same thing. You all have, unfortunately, in this case, pioneered, right? Um, the idea that it's okay to talk about these things, that they do happen. You're not crazy. Um, and uh, you're helping people to understand and process through these feelings, emotions, uh, the trauma of it, so that they don't have to wait so light in their life to realize that there is help. Yes, and I wrote the book, Extraterrestrial Contact, What to Do When You've Been Abducted. And it is uh, a, a guide, a comprehensive guide for experiencers of contact. Uh, ranging from highly positive to all the way through the spectrum to highly negative. So uh, there is uh, a worksheet at the end of each chapter to help people. They can complete that. The, The chapters are all designed to help people who are going through this. And uh, the reason I wrote the book is that the experiencer research team was receiving 100 to 150 requests every month when I was director. And uh, that's a lot of people who are reaching out for help. I'm not saying they're all 
experiencers of ET contact. Some of them uh, were just having uh, contact with things like, you know, ghosts and the paranormal. Uh, there is a paranormal overlay. There are some yes. uh, certain paranormal uh, things that experiencers have in common, such as conscious orbs in coming into their homes, or uh, the feeling that something unseen is walking on the bed. There are also, you know, your, your group of people who do have mental illness, who have uh, worked through the system and uh, is still are not uh, feeling that they've been helped. And, and so they're reaching out to us thinking that we can help them. We really can't. We're not uh, licensed mental health practitioners. We are kind-hearted, caring individuals who reach out to help people who have contact with extraterrestrials. Yeah, it's heavy, it, it, you know, and that's that's it's a difficult situation. And it's sad that uh, so much of modern society focuses on the latter bit of what we were talking about as a way to prove that anyone that comes out with that fits into that which is what is what is sad and it, it it's already hard enough to let people know that you've seen a ufo let alone to have been brought aboard a ship yes yes and it's so ludicrous you know i say to everybody in in our society is it okay to make fun of mentally ill people is it okay to uh, make fun of people who have disabilities it isn't is it no not at all many no. people in our society have been ridiculed people have committed suicide due to the ridicule uh, because they you know somebody was gay they couldn't help the fact that they were gay they were born that way but they received so much ridicule that they'd commit suicide it's not right for people mm -mm to uh, ridicule people who have had these experiences. They're already hurting so badly. And I think back to Travis Walton, for example, who had this experience. He's a young man. And then Philip Klass yeah. uh, was ruthless with him. Absolutely ruthless. Uh, you know, Travis was traumatized by his event with the ETs, but I think he was more traumatized by the human response he received. He needed someone to reach out to help yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, so much of um, so much of what I think people go through and um, experience, I think, is influenced by other people telling them they should feel a certain way about their experience, right? Yeah. They may not actually feel that way about it, but if they're told by enough people, you should feel ashamed and they violated you and so on and so forth, you start to believe that yourself. And then you've taken what potentially was a positive experience and society has driven you to make it a negative experience. So. Absolutely. And, you know, some uh, people who use hypnosis have a negative attitude toward all of it as well. And let me give you an example. Years ago, I was in a hypnosis session and I said, I don't have to be fearful any longer. Mm. They're projecting love toward me. It's the most profound love I've ever experienced. Mm. And the hypnotist said, don't believe them, they lie. <laughs> what? Yes. That's a narrative. They're they're going after a narrative at that point. That's yes. the hypnosis. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And that's very unfortunate. It was extraordinarily unfortunate. And very unprofessional. Yes, <laughs> so, absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I I I wish that, um, you know, it, it. Even the people in our own community, right? In our smaller paranormal UFOE community um, are, are even probably sometimes worse than the people on the outside of the community because 
they at least believe in some aspect of things, right? They believe in ghosts or they believe in UFOs, but but then they still critique or criticize when it's something that's just beyond what they're willing to accept. Um, and it's just, you know, bottom line, I think that the kind of ending, uh, ending uh, thought here is you don't know uh, what anybody else has gone through or what a day in the life of that person is, what their struggles are, whatever the case may be. So instead of just assuming negative intent, how about assume positive intent? And we would all be much better off and our world would be much better off if we all just assumed positive intent. Absolutely. And you know, I try to stress to investigators and and people who work with experiencers not to pass judgment yeah because you know we don't live in the experiencers homes we don't live in their bodies we're not in their minds how right. can we pass judgment right. so i want to uh, thank you again kathleen for coming thank on the so show much. it has been a very quick 40 minutes uh, i've so enjoyed <laughs> i've enjoyed every minute of it um to give people an opportunity i know you have quite a few books out there um where is the best place they can go to find everything that you've written uh, and or you. And, and support you more okay uh, you can purchase autographed copies from me at kathleen-marden m-a-r-d-e-n.com or my books are available in bookstores, Amazon.com, um, uh, Barnes and Noble, uh, many online bookstores as well. If you go to my website, you'll see where I'm going to be speaking this year, too. So I'm hoping to see people at the conferences. We've had two so far, and it's been a record turnout for each conference. Stefan and I will be at the MUFON Symposium in July, so we're looking Great. forward to finally being able to meet you in person. So. Yes, I look forward to that. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a good time. The main stage. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Kathleen. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. And Thank uh, you so much. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you so much, Kathleen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, you guys. Go to Kathleen-Marden.com and pick up her book. Um, you will not regret it. Um, it it's an amazing uh, book. It's well worth the time. You don't want to pass it up. Kathleen Marden, uh, author of Forbidden Knowledge, A Personal Journey from Alien Abduction to Spiritual Transformation, uh, as well as a lot of other books. Obviously, you know, yeah. you heard her mention a couple other books and some things like that. And obviously, if you need some help, um, she can help as well. So uh, what I, and, and I'll tell you that, like what I what I like to do is uh, I go out to Amazon and I follow mm -hmm. a lot of these authors. That yeah, I, it's the that same. I, and then whenever they drop a new book and it's on Amazon, Amazon sends me a notification. Hey, such and such has got a new book. So um, it's, you know, you can do the same. It's, it's really a, a nice little feature that Amazon offers. Obviously, Kathleen probably gets a little bit better return if you really want to support Kathleen, if you buy them from her on her and website. And you get an autographed book. So. And you get an autographed <laughs> copy, right. So I mean, if you're going to buy the book anyway. But uh, but yeah, it's a nice little, you know, sign up, sign up on Amazon to get the notification go buy it from kathleen that's so. right <laughs> but thank you kathleen we love you so much man what an absolute pleasure uh this yep. has been but josh we got to get out of here brother um i don't know about you but i'm i'm ready man but thank you guys I, so much man i gotta go find i gotta go find my public publisher clearinghouse details so. right <laughs> well thank you guys so much for tuning in to the convergence enigma with josh and stefan uh this has been stefan uh, i will uh want to remind you guys keep your eyes on the skies this has been josh the truth is now and remember folks keep questioning keep searching good night everybody good night <laughs>